This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The Kings Country Podcast is back. The NHL regular season is over for the Hurricanes. Exciting. We, we're on to greener pastures, hopefully. And uh, more intensity and more people, as we'll talk about as we get going here. Uh, this is the Kings Country Podcast. My name is Brett Finger. I'm joined by Ryan Hankel and Andrew Schnicker. Guys, how are we doing today? Doing well. Like you said, it's been a, uh, a busy day around these parts. I'm feeling very good. A lot of good news, good times coming up for the Hurricanes. Hopefully. Hopefully, uh, the these, these this news will be accompanied by great success on the ice. We'll see. But the, the season's over. The regular season is over. The Hurricanes closed out their season with a pair of losses in Nashville. Um, uh, the sky's falling, right? Is it over? Yeah, it's uh, going to swing. They are. Uh... They won six straight in the regular season, but now Nashville's going to six win six straight, I saw, including the four playoff game sweep. I saw a lot of great takes after Nashville games. It should have been against the law to voice any kind of opinion during game 56. Yes. And I think, and we, we've we talked about this before, but I think part of the interesting thing is, like, if you think about it, like, we really have not had this, like, pre-playoff season that we just went through here like that it's either for decades or well not decades but over a decade it had been like either the hurricanes done and playing out the string or like scrambling to get into the playoffs and trying to clinch with one or two games left the whole like clinching with a few weeks left and even you know pretty much having the division on lock not having a ton to play for um for good reason is not really something that we've seen a lot of. And I, I think that um, became apparent in the way that some folks handled it. <laughs> yeah. The, the takes are good. Uh, yeah. And now, and now we're, we're not even gonna talk about the games. I mean, who cares? Uh, they lost both. uh uh, Nashville was on a mission. Uh, they they really sent some messages to the Hurricanes. You know, they they you know, um, uh, what were the messages? The message was uh, they're a rowdy bunch. All right, that's the message. They're a rowdy bunch, and uh, now they're going to play each other in the playoffs. Uh, before we get there, though. We're gonna talk about. We're gonna reflect a little bit. We're gonna get. We're gonna. We're gonna get deep and emotional here, uh, reminiscing on the 2021 season, um, and we're gonna talk about the best that the Hurricanes had to offer this past season. We're gonna. We're gonna go through a little bit of a list here. We're gonna give out some Canes Country Podcast awards here. Uh, 
recognized by the league on offic- an official capacity. Um, these are sanctioned by the NHLPA, the NHL, uh, as a league. And we're going to just start here. Team MVP. Who would like to start? Who would like to start every round here? Of, of we're going to do MVP, forward, defenseman, surprise. Who would like to start? I'll Ryan go first. Like start. Yeah, there we go. All right, Ryan, you start. Um, don't sound too excited about these official awards, guys. All right? So we're going to start mm-hmm. with MVP, uh, team MVP for the Hurricanes in 2021. Huh. See, I won't go with the easy one. I'll go. I'll try, I'll try yes. to keep it a little more interesting. I'd say the Carolina Hurricanes 2021 season MVP – I'd give it to Jordan Stahl. Like, Sebastian Ajo, point, over point-per-game player. You know, Vincent Trocek, near the point-per-game player. Like, Dougie Hamilton, the team, like, assists. Like, I think these are all great players. But I think Jordan Stahl's leadership is something that, like, despite, like, despite what we say is underrated, like, the team has so much admiration and respect for Jordan Stahl. And, like, even though he's scoring more than he normally does, he's doing nothing different as Ajo and Brendan Moore tell us time and time again. I think without Jordan Stahl, this team, like, is kind of, like, a shell of almost what it is. It's like they have the talent, but Jordan Stahl really lays the groundwork as the example for them all to follow. Like, I think you could say Captain Jordan Stahl with the season he had, I think is worthy. I would consider him to be team MVP this year. Yeah, that's all well and good. Uh, Sebastian Ajo is my team MVP. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I um, no, I, I I I get all that, and I, I think you make a lot of good points. Um, yeah, I, I think you know moving moving on from Justin Williams as a captain, like that's not an easy thing to do after the Hurricanes turn it around the way they did with him as their captain, but. I mean, with Jordan, uh, literally, you, you would have to be crazy to think that he wouldn't fill the role as captain and do it admirably and, and exceed expectations. Because um, that's really, you know, he, that's what he's done for the most part as a hurricane. He's he's filled his role admirably. He's stuck with it in a way that I'm not sure any other players really could uh, over the the past almost decade now since he's been a hurricane, which is kind of crazy to think about that he's it's almost been ten years that he's been a hurricane. And yeah, I, I don't disagree at all. But Aho is uh, Sebastian Aho is really good this year. Um, in case you didn't know, and particularly in in the second half, it felt like he. You know, there there were some injuries. Trocheck got hurt, and and that's when it was like, all right, time for Ajo to step up and and be the guy that that he needs to be. And down the stretch, when Teravina got healthy, that chemistry instantly came back. And yeah, so I think Jordan's always a good pick. I think Sebastian Ajo is a good pick. Andrew. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go right with you there, Brett. I'm gonna go with Sebastian Ajo. Um, Hurricanes number one center best player like like you mentioned you know there were some injuries um, 
obviously Teravainen missed a ton of the season. Trocek missed some time. Uh, Martin Natchez missed a little bit of time. Sebastian Ajo was kind of the one constant almost for the Hurricanes this year. Um, he didn't miss a game. He was their leader in goals, assists, and points. Um, we've talked about, you know, thinking, oh, you know, one day we'll be saying Andre Svechnikov's the Hurricanes' best player, not Sebastian Ajo. Today is not that day. Sebastian <laughs> Ajo is still absolutely the Hurricanes' best player. Um, you know, like you mentioned, too, I think he played with a variety of different line mates this year. You know, he played with Tavo Teravainen when he was healthy. He played with Andre Svechnikov played with Nino Niederreiter, played with Martin Natchez, and really kind of no matter who played with Brock McGinn, really kind of no matter who was on his line, Ajo just kept producing and kept driving the bus offensively for the Hurricanes. A big part of, obviously, that number one power play. Huge contributor on the penalty kill, which also had a great season. Um, Believe he led the team in shorthanded goals. So really just a player who has such a huge impact in all facets of the game. And I think that there is, um, you know, with, with all the, again, the different injuries and absences the Hurricanes had this year, Aho I think, was kind of the one constant force that kept them going, and this team would not be nearly what it what it is without him. Yeah, this is actually Ajo's, this is his fourth straight season leading the team in goals and points. Consistency. It's pretty valuable. Fairly valuable. Um, all right, best forward. Uh, all right, so uh, who do we think is the best forward after all that being in, <laughs> taken into, consi- into consideration? Uh, it's obviously. So Any Drew Shore fans here? Anyone? No one? Sheldon Rampell? Sheldon Rampell um, played one game. Was it one game? If it, it felt like barely a game if he did play. I think play. he had like uh, three in. He had three. Yeah. He probably he might have. You mean three minutes, or you mean three games? Yeah, he probably did not play one game's minutes worth for Sebastian Ajo in those three There's games. There's no way he did. There's no way. I'm surprised he wasn't playing in the season finale. Honestly. Um. So yeah, okay. So we got Sheldon Rempel as best forward, uh, best defenseman. Uh, this is an interesting one. It's kind of down to. For me, it's it's down to two guys. We'll see. We'll see if anyone agrees with me here. Uh, Andrew, you start this time. I'm actually gonna go with um, a guy who it feels like we're using. We we can't. You can still call him underrated nationally. I feel like we cannot call this guy underrated in Hurricanes land anymore because I feel like we've no. all kind of given him his due. But Brett Pesci, just for what he did, especially like we talked about coming off that major surgery, um, just how good he was all season, his usual, I mean, maybe even better than ever, really self-defensively, um, ended up forming a really good pairing with Brady Shea, continued to kind of have, you know, that underrated offensive impact. I think he maybe even had a little bit better season than we've seen from him offensively. And especially too, I go back to, um, I go back to the COVID pause situation when Jacob Slavin was out. And the Hurricanes blue line um, was obviously dealing with that loss. And I think Brett Pesci's play, and even and too when Slavin came back, you know it took him a little bit to get back to his top form. And I think the way Pesci played um, was a big factor in the Hurricanes blue line still being able to kind of hold it together through that time as Slavin was out, and then getting his legs under him. Um, 
So in in terms of just overall impact, you know, both sides of the ice, I think Pesci's my guy. I will take the other side of the coin. I'm assuming Brett had two guys in mind. Uh, Dougie Hamilton really, especially in the second half of the season, we all know, like, we talked so much about how Dougie Hamilton kind of had a slower start to the season last season. And he had major, major leg injury. And then he put up 42 points tied for third on the team in total points this season, 10 goals. Like Dougie Hamilton is the main, one of the main offensive drivers on this team without him. I don't know how good this offense is that power play one, like Dougie quarterbacking it, like Dougie Hamilton adds so much value to this hurricanes team. And uh, Brett Pesci, I would say has been the best defensive player on this team, hands down. But I just think all around Dougie Hamilton's game, the bound, the leaps and bounds he's made in this defensive game overall. But then add on top of it how he's still so good offensively, even after a slow start to the season. I think Dougie Hamilton has been the Hurricanes' best defenseman. I think he's just still so good. Yep, that is that is spot on. Uh, that that was those were two my two choices for for best defenseman. This this is like a fifty fifty for me. I feel like uh, I have the deciding vote here um, between Pesci and Hamilton. Hamilton was re- like, I think his struggles were overblown for the most part early in the year. Um, and if he had been playing the exact same way, but he had goals instead of assists, then people wouldn't really care. And then in the second half of the season. A, I think his defensive game improved, but also those shots started going in. So that's, I mean, that's the big, the big difference I think in in the first half and the second half for him. I, the discussion still has to be had about his future and and what he deserves in a contract. Um, uh, the second half of his season only kind of strengthened my or. or I don't even know. It it made me uh, more certain that this is they need they need him. Like he he's extremely extremely important. Uh, the difference that he makes every night when you know he, this is a guy who plays twenty three minutes a game and he's playing the first power play unit and he's the one of the best offensive producers as a defenseman in the league. And even when he's not playing at like at 100% defensively or to the very best of his abilities defensively, he's still one of the best defensemen in all of hockey. So um, that's Dougie Hamilton. I mean, he was outstanding again this year, not as noticeable as last year, but still very, very, very good. Uh, Brett Pesci probably might this might have been his best season in the NHL. Like it's up there. Yeah. Uh, last year was you know before he got hurt, it was probably his worst. Uh, and and yeah, and and him coming back uh, is in the way that he did was really really impressive. I had him as my MVP of the first half. I really thought he held the the, the the decor together through the first half, and especially early on in the year, like you said, Andrew. He he was really he really is the connective tissue between the first pairing and the rest of the the defense. So, um, it says something about how good the Hurricanes blue line was this year that none of us really thought about. Um, 
Jacob Slavin. I mean, obviously he had the time that he missed and the time that he was working his way back, but like once he was at 100%, there like there was no drop off for him, I think, from his usual self. Yeah. Maybe we're just too spoiled. We see Slavin so good year in and year out that we maybe maybe we're maybe we're starting to underrate him again, but <laughs> he's about to be the most underrated player in the league again. Oh he's no. He's going to trade places with Pesci. God. Um, yeah, I think Slavin had a fine year. I think he wasn't as dynamic offensively as as he was last season. That's that's really yeah. the only thing. And do I care that much? No. I mean, he he's still Jacob Slavin in the defensive zone. And I, I think as the season went on, he started to look more like himself in transition especially so uh, if we're doing a Kane's Country podcast lady Bing award I would definitely give it to Jacob Slavin yes uh, he would he would get that so there you go Jacob Slavin is two penalty minutes or one puck over the glass yes that is the lone penalty for him this year that's Uh, utterly ridiculous like like I'm like just like the small tangent it is absolutely insane how Jacob Slavin has only one penalty for puck over glass, and he plays like the toughest assignments night in and night out. Like it's, it's just utterly insane. That's right. That is absolutely right. So those are our picks there. Uh, I actually didn't make a pick, uh, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say Brett Pesci. Uh, tie goes to the first name in that situation. And I'm going to go with uh, Mr. Pesci. Um, biggest surprise. So so I think there's a pretty obvious one here. Uh, it's, it's, you know, obviously... Sebastian um, Ajo. Yeah. No one would have expected him to win a fourth straight team MVP. So let's just... Let's just uh, I'll go first. Uh, I'll say the obvious one. Alex Nedeljkovic. All right. I, I'm not. I'm not going to make a joke out of this. I'm not going to say someone random. It's Nedeljkovic. Um, uh, <laughs> he should be. Yep. He should <laughs> be it. in the Rookie of the Year conversation. He won't be. But who the hell would have thought going into this season? That Alex Nedeljkovic would lead the Hurricanes in starts, and that the Hurricanes would win the division and finish what third in Presidents Trophy race or second? Third, yeah, third behind and, Vegas in Colorado. Or no, second, second, yeah. Um, and um, he like led the NHL. Like he was one of the best goalies in the entire NHL. Like he was, I think he led the league yeah. in save percentage, fewest goals against average. Like he was top four in goals saved above expectation, um, based on you know where the shots he's facing, how many he's facing. Um, you know he finished behind only Vasilevsky, Hellebuck, and Flurry, who are like the Vesna candidates, pretty much. So. I mean, it has to be Nadelkovich. I'm sure there are other names that can be taken into account. Who who would those players be? Well, the, you could one s- other thing. 
Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, you could say, like, I'd say Steven Lorenz, big surprise. Like, yeah. Not like he was putting up big points, but, like, as a fourth-line energy role, he seemed to just fit the Hurricanes game perfectly. I thought he looked like he belonged in the NHL immediately. I thought he was a pretty welcome surprise. I mean, you could say Natchez, but I think we all expected Natchez to eventually mm. have that breakout season. So is it surprising? Yeah. I mean, maybe you'd be like, well, Strachnikov was surprising because he didn't put up 30 goals. <laughs> anyway, it's sort of a surprise. Yeah, I think I think the one other thing on Nadelkovich too is he goes from like, like just the entire outlook of I think the goalie position has changed yeah. so much because of him. I mean, he goes from like I, I I wouldn't have had him really as a part of the team's future plans, and now you're looking at like you know do they finally have that like goalie of the future um to build around and it it looks like they do um one one of the one other one that i'll mention um i thought there was a good chance that vincent trocek would bounce back um somewhat from his past couple injury late in years in florida um i didn't i don't know that i thought he would quite get back to that like elite top six center level and be as good as he has been all he dealt with a couple injuries but nothing too serious um and tilled off a little bit the last couple weeks but other than that i mean he he was one of the hurricanes best players this year i mean i think a big part of what led to this team going from a good team to a great team is getting vincent trocek in there and playing as well as he did in that number two center spot all year um so I just said I I expected I think at least a, I think a decent season from Trocheck, but I I'm not sure I expected him to quite get back to that level um, this year. I would say maybe one of the most surprising moments was like Brock McGill's was a four game goal streak. Yeah, no, nothing will compare to a... Joel Edmondson's six game point streak, but true. That's but up there. Brock McGill four game goal streak was also pretty big shocker. You could say a similar thing to Trocek is Nino Niederreiter, the way that he bounced yes. back this year. They needed him to bounce back the way he did. And again, he's like Trocek in that if he doesn't bounce back the way that he did, I don't think they're winning a division. Um, that's what makes, again, a, a good team great. Having guys that are not necessarily Aho or Svetch or, or Dougie or, or whoever at the top of your lineup you know, it's having those, you know, the Trocheks and the Niederreiters and who are constantly providing production outside of the first line. So Brady Shea maybe too. Um, the way you know, in the past couple of months of the season, half he's for sure. really settle into the system. And again, you know, that again goes to I think part of you know what makes a good team great is not having holes. Like you know, you look at on paper going into the season. The Hurricanes have a hole in the top six, if or a couple even, if Trocheck doesn't get back to his top six form and Nino does, Nino Niederreiter doesn't bounce back. You know they have a hole in the top four on defense if Brady Shea doesn't settle in the way he has and become a really good complement um, to Pesci. They have a hole in net if Mrazek and Nedeljkovic. I mean, yeah, hell, we could have talked about Peter Mrazek in this category sure. too, being as good as he's been when he's healthy. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that's you know the kind of the biggest takeaway from the Hurricanes is it's hard to find a like 
something when you look at this team going into the playoffs now, look at an area of the roster where you're like, shit, I hope that works out. I, I just don't know. Like you, you feel pretty good about everything. And it's, you know, again, because of kind of some of these guys who turned unknowns into very legitimate um, top end contributors for this roster. For sure. So, and now that we were kind of talking about Mrazik and Nedeljkovic, now that we're kind of talking about Mrazik and Nedeljkovic, we can kind of move on to the first round of the playoffs, which starts on Monday. Lots of news came out about that today, or news that pertains to that came out today, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Who starts game one for the Hurricanes? So... Let me let me rephrase this. Who will start? Who should start? See, I think who Rod. I think Rod Brindamore will start, and who I personally would start are two different answers. Um, mm-hmm. I would go with Nedeljkovic. I think he's been the Hurricanes' best goalie all year. I think he's earned it. I think he has the highest ceiling of any goalie on this roster. Now, I think. And I'm not going to fault him for this a lot because I think Peter Mrazek was also really, really good when he was healthy in the regular season. I think that Rod Brindamore is probably going to go with Peter Mrazek in game one, go with the veteran guy who has playoff experience. Um, And I think the fact that he made it such a priority, um, one of his main priorities really in that last week of games to get Mrazek a couple starts and get him up to speed. um, And he talked about that. I think showed his hand a little bit that that might be his plan. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that that's kind of my thoughts on that situation. Yeah. Right. I look at it. It's like, um, I think Nedeljvic has been the better goaltender hands down. But the way I think like you also had maybe approach it like from a little bit of a sports psychology kind of point, Mrazik, we know how well he plays at home with the crowd feeding off. I think he does well in that. And, you know, going into the year before he was injured, like, he was aware that this is his team. This is his team to lead. Like, I don't know if this is an actual thing you run into, but, like, you know, like, game one, you'd be like, oh, sorry, Mrazik, the the kids beat you out, but we need you to come in game two. Like, is there any, like, a confidence thing going in, like, I feel like Ned is still young enough where you can be like, we're going to give the veteran the first start. You got the second game. You're fine. Where I feel like there could potentially be that little psychological thing, like Mrazic being like, you've lost your spot to the kid. You really have to battle your ass off in game two to try to like maybe get ahead of him for the start of like the next game. And it's kind of, I don't know if it's maybe like a psychological thing. I don't know if it's even a thing, but it's just something I consider. I would give him the first start in that regard, but I don't know. It's just one of those things where, like, you just think of hypotheticals that maybe aren't real. I think it's a good. I mean, I think it's a good position to be in. Like, you're choosing between two really good goaltenders, as opposed to, you know, maybe in the past for the Hurricanes, choosing between two solid, okay goaltenders, and just seeing, um, you know, who gives you the best shot. I, I think, you know, you can't really. While I think it probably should be Nadalkovich, like. Ryan just said, I don't think Mrazic is a wrong choice. And I think, I mean, unless like, you know, whoever starts game one, just like pitches a shutout and is just dominant. And then they start him again and is just dominant again. I, I would be pretty surprised, especially in this first series, if we don't, even though there's no back to backs, if we don't see uh, both guys. 
yeah. So this thing starts on Monday, and and after the the closeout of of the regular season, the Hurricanes went six and two against Nashville this year. Does we kind of joked about this at the beginning, but do the final two games do anything? Like, it, no. how much relevance do do those games have? I don't no. think there's any, at least not for the Hurricanes. There might be some for the Predators, and if there is, I don't want to say it's poorly taken, but because their mindset going into this playoff series, if they believe that those two games are an indicator that they can beat the Hurricanes, that's real, and that affects them, right? Um, However, the reality is that the Hurricanes are undeniably the better team. And they beat them six straight times. And the final weekend series was like fairly meaningless for the Hurricanes. So I don't I don't doubt that those Nashville those wins for Nashville help them mentally. Uh but for the Hurricanes, it doesn't doesn't it didn't do much. And another thing is like, if the Hurricanes are just saying, I don't think this is the case at all, but let's just say hypothetically the Hurricanes do get phased by those two games against Nashville. They're not winning the Cup anyway, if that's the case. You know? Yeah. Like, two games at the end of the year against Nashville, that affects them in any way. They ain't winning the Cup anyway. And at that point, it's Cup or bust. I mean, they, they're, they, they're not in this to, you know, make the Final Four. And you know, get a final four banner for their special accomplishment. Uh, that's not what they're in it for. So I, I think it's it does pretty much nothing at all. And yeah, uh, is is there any uh, anything else that you want to add about the very uh, interesting conclusion to the season? I was no, going to say I mean- the exact same thing but on like the flip side brett like like if nashville like really needed to win those two games to even think they had a chance like like every nhl team i think hits the ice believing they can win like they're not going to be like oh we lost eight games in the regular season the carolina hurricanes there's just no point in trying we're just well, i think over. i think there's over. i think there's some you know getting those wins i think is important i, I think that's something that i forgot which Nashville player talk or no, it was a Florida player um, that said after they beat Carolina in their final matchup head to head, they said that, you know, now they know like it was big for them mentally because they can beat them because Carolina had had their number all year. So I, I think there is something there. It's not like it's like the end all be all. It's not like they don't believe they can win. But I think actually doing it and and having that result on paper it means something. I mean, I guess, but I also think like like think like Kane's team last year. I mean, they lost all four regular season games to the Rangers. Sure. The Rangers had always been a team that beat like they had their number, and the Canes just roll them in the playoffs. Sure, I, mean, I think lost. I think they had lost all four to the Capitals in 2019 mm-hmm. um, in the regular season. Yeah, I, I mean, I think like. I mean, I think it's just very basic. Like, obviously, like, it, it's just a simple fact. Yeah, I mean, you're going to feel better with 
two wins against the team, then you're gonna then you would at literally oh and eight, eight no. going to the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, I mean, like Monday. I mean, Monday's game should be absolutely discarded, thrown out. I mean, half the lineup for both of those teams are not going to be playing in game one. Um, and the Saturday game, I mean, like, you know, you you've got a Hurricanes team that's playing for maybe a shot at the president's trophy, maybe not versus a predators team. Like that's playing to clinch a playoff, a playoff spot. spot. Oh, mice. Like if Nashville is not the more desperate team than the hurricanes in that situation, then they've got no business being a playoff team, like plain and simple. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think those two games have, I don't think they have any bearing. I, I really don't. All right, who wins the series? We got Nashville in five. Anyone? Nashville <laughs> in six. Flip. Nope. Nashville in seven. Flip side of that. Nope. You got any any Nashville takers? I no. Canes. Canes in five. I think Saros steals game four in Nashville. Canes come home and win it. A gentleman sweep. I've also got um, Canes in five. I just think the Hurricanes are better. Um, they have, you know, the one spot where maybe there's somewhat even is on the blue line, but even there, I think the hurricanes are better, um, up front, the hurricanes are significantly better, significantly deeper, um, special teams. If they play out on paper, the way that both teams finished this season and the way that, um, they went a lot of times in those first six games of this series, um, the hurricanes should dominate. Uh, both on the power play and on the penalty kill. And the other thing for me um, that makes me go Hurricanes in five is, um, you know, you look at Nashville and you're like, all right, well, their best chance is like UC Saros plays out of his mind and steals this series. Here's the thing about that, though. Going into this, like, it's not like in the past couple of years where the Hurricanes have, like, okay goaltending. The Hurricanes have had elite goaltending all year, too. So in order for Saros to steal this series – um and you know, legitimate give the Predators a huge advantage in net. You that relies also on both Peter Mrazek and Alex Nedeljkovic having significant drop off from their regular season, and neither being a super reliable option in net for the Hurricanes. So it's just, I think there's just so many things that would have to go in Nashville's way here. Um, it's not impossible, but I, I just cannot see the Hurricanes having very many problems in this series. No, it's impossible. Canes in four. Uh, Nashville. Uh, no, get out of here. Get out of here, Nashville. No, no shot. I'm not even giving them a game. I'm not allowing them to win a game. I'm not giving it to them. I could see that. Um, and if they wanted to sweep so that the series ended before the start of the uh, ACC baseball tournament, I wouldn't complain either. There you go. Lots of things at play here. Um, before we get to... The uh, the the announcements that Governor Roy Cooper made today. Let's just do the the rest of the first round predictions, since we're in prediction mode. Let's start with Pittsburgh, New York, in the Mass Mutual NHL Eastern Division. Uh, Pittsburgh, New York. Pittsburgh's the one. New York's the four. Who wins the first round series? I have Pittsburgh in six. Is my prediction there? P- Pittsburgh in seven. Islanders are a uh, 
a scrappy bunch always are in the playoffs, but I think um, Pittsburgh's been hot down the stretch, and I think, um, I don't want to say one more run, but I think that Crosby-Malkin group has at least one more playoff series win in them. I'll take Pittsburgh in five. I, I don't like the Islanders. I don't think the Palmieri trade is going to, it has helped them very much. And uh, yeah, Jeff Carter. I mean, what a deadline acquisition as everyone expected. I mean, Jesus Christ. Um, That was what I looked at like in passing and like, I'm like, wow, he is really good in Pittsburgh. Yes. Uh, Washington, Boston, Washington's the two Boston's the three. I have Bruins in seven. I think, I'm not convinced that Washington has enough depth down the middle, especially with Kuznetsov being in like COVID protocol for the past like two weeks. I don't know if he comes back and is good enough. I think Bruins, especially with Taylor Hall, look great. I think Bruins, in, I think it'll be close, but I think Bruins in seven. I think Bruins in six. Um, I think the Bruins are another team that's playing pretty well, kind of hitting their stride going into the playoffs. Like you said, I think Taylor Hall has been a great pickup for them, kind of giving them another dimension to their forward lineup. Uh, I know Washington is the higher seed, but I think just looking at the two teams right now and the way they're playing, the the Bruins are just the better team. Yeah, I'll take Boston in six as well. I I, I like Boston more than Washington. Um, in the division, in the Discover Central division, uh, Florida, Tampa Bay. This is going to be good. I, I'm really looking forward to this one. Obviously, we have more of a connection to these teams but this is going to be good florida tampa florida is the two tampa is the three after florida beat tampa out for that second seed i have florida in six actually i know tampa's the cup champions but i think there's the fatigue with winning the cup i think they have a lot of in big injury problems they're dealing with right now i think goudreau is out indefinitely. Hedman's dealing with something. He's going to play through it, but he's dealing with a pretty bad injury. Their defense hasn't really looked cohesive all season. There's the Vasilevsky effect. He could steal. He could sweep them just on his own if he plays amazing, but I really am buying into this Florida team. Like, I hate being in the same division as them, but I've always, like, secretly wanted Florida to be good. Kind of, kind of that South team without great attendance kind of bond. Like, I hate that they're in our division now, but I'm I really am buying into what Florida's doing. I got them in six over Tampa. I've got Florida in seven. Um, I'm I'm with you. I like this Florida team a lot. I think um, there there's too many people that are like, oh, Tampa's Tampa. They'll just flip the switch and turn it on. Maybe, but like that that's harder to do. And I, I think too, you know, you mentioned that cup fatigue, Ryan. And I think for Florida, who hasn't won a playoff series since what is it? I think ninety six, ninety five. 95. So it hasn't won a playoff series since before I was born. Um, I think they, they, I think this series is just going to mean so much to Florida in terms of, you know, they've got a pretty, they've got a really good team, really good group with a chance to do something special, a chance to finally win that playoff series and kind of get over the hump. They're playing against their in-state rival. Um, I, I think Florida is going to find a way to get this done, but it's not going to be easy. I mean, just because, you know, we're saying, oh, well, Tampa's kind of sleepwalking. Like, this is still a group with a ton of talent that knows how to win. And I think this is going, like Brett said, I think this is going to be a phenomenal series. It's going to be great. It, it might be the best series of the first round for me. Uh, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm taking Florida, too. Like, uh, I mean, 
They, I think they really want it. Like, I, I think they're serious. Um, I know the Hurricanes had their number this year, but man, it's not hard to envision those games going the other way for in favor of Florida. And now you're talking about Florida winning the division. Like, I think they're, I think they're legit. I, I think they have a, they have a good, as good a shot as any uh, team in in this postseason. I, I think watching them play Tampa down the stretch. I think Florida wants it more, and I know Tampa's going to get Kucherov back, but man, uh, the Panthers are seemingly a team on a mission, and they scare me. It, they scare me more than Tampa. I'll be honest with you. Like I honestly, they scare me. Maybe not more than Tampa, but just as much as Tampa. Yeah, I don't. I think if I'm the Hurricanes and I I would still I would probably rather see Florida in the second round than Tampa still but I'd like if that makes sense I I but I do I like think I agree with you I think if I'm if, Carolina I want to see seven games I want to see a lot yes. of physical play yes yeah. um <laughs> if if we weren't if the Hurricanes you know let's say we were a different we we were a podcast covering a different team I would be more afraid of Florida. But given Carolina just having their number this year, then you know that that kind of changes things, right? But yeah, yeah I mean, too, like, if they if they get in there and they kind of get rolling and win one series, then that momentum becomes a thing for them, and that's not something I think you want to be part of. Yeah, I think Vasilevsky can steal any playoff series against any opponent. Is really what it comes down to for me personally. Yeah, I I think you want him out of the picture as quick as possible because I think if the Hurricanes face Florida, I think they have the edge in that. Yeah. Yeah, so I think you're right. I think Florida is the more ideal matchup, but, I mean, neither of them are good options, let's be honest. Um, Moving on to the West, or the, yeah, the West. What's it? Is this... Which division uh, sponsors Honda, Honda West? Honda West, yes, of course. Uh, Colorado St. Louis one versus four. Is Justin Falk going to pull off the upset? Uh, no, no, I actually no. I have the Avs who are I'm actually considering my cup favorite. I have the Avs in six. Avs in four. Yeah, Avs in. Four four or five this is not going to be and it, it it's it'll be like what ryan said about the hurricanes if it's five it's st louis wins game four to avoid the sweep like this is there there's such a big gap here i have i've filled out my bracket i have the avalanche winning the stanley cup they're they're just so good and the, the blues are just um i feel like this is kind of the west version of hurricanes predators the blues are just yeah. simply overmatched here uh vegas minnesota uh, I mean, maybe a sneaky good series. Maybe, here. maybe. I actually have the Wild in seven for this one. Jesus. Okay, we got wild, wild in seven. The Wild actually have like an amazing record against the Knights. Like not only this season, but like over like the the two franchises, like few season histories. Like the Wild have actually always been good against the Knights. Will Vegas say good night to Minnesota, or will Minnesota eliminate? The Wild. What? The Knights. <laughs> Minnesota. It's been us um, all along. Always has. Been. It's one or the other. I'm going to pretend that 
question didn't have to <laughs> save Vegas in seven. Like I said, I, I think this will be a very, very good series. Um, I know Minnesota's been good against Vegas, but I think we've kind of established that regular season happenings don't really tend to mean a ton in a seven-game playoff series. Um, I think Vegas is just, you know, the better team. They're a really good team, really deep team. I think um, playing Minnesota in the first round while Colorado's playing St. Louis is probably going to end up hurting Vegas in a second-round series with Colorado. Mm -hmm. But I do have the Golden Knights in seven. Vegas in six. Uh I like Minnesota. I mean, if I didn't like Minnesota, I I wouldn't be giving them two games. But I, I like Vegas too much. Uh, I think I think Minnesota makes it a, makes it a series. I could see it going seven. I can even see them winning. But uh, I'm gonna go with Vegas here. Um, Are we excited for the playoff Stanley Cup playoff debut of Victor Rask? That's right. Uh, that's right. Sweet potato. Good for him, honestly. Stop. Good, good for him, honestly. I, I think he did have a, end up having a decent season there. Um, Magic for Kirill Kaprizov. Yeah. Toronto, Montreal. Uh, here we go at the North Division. I mean, give me a break. Give me a break Leafs with these teams. Four. The Habs are a joke. Yeah. yeah. Leafs, Leafs, I'm going Leafs in four. As... as objectively fucking hilarious as it would be for Montreal to win this series. And I, I, I really mean that it is not happening. Like, I don't think anybody in the Canadian division is good. And I think Montreal is just straight up a bad hockey team. That is, should they be thanking their lucky stars that they get to be fourth of seven of seven. Okay. To bad hockey teams. Um, Okay, I'll take that. I, I think the Leafs are like I don't think they're going to win the cup. I think the Leafs are a good team, but um, Mon- Montreal has no shot here. Leafs in four, and I don't care what you want to tell me about history or anything. I'm, I'm not watching this series unless I, unless I have to. I'm also not watching this series, but I'm taking Montreal in six. Let's make it happen. <laughs> Let's make it happen. Eric Stahl, yes, winning absolutely. GWG. Give me Montreal. The Canadians. Les habitants. Les habitants. I can't say They are not good. Oui, oui. It's Montreal time. Anything Kane-centric would be on board with Montreal. Montreal in six. I just want to see it. I just want to see it. Literally no reason for taking this other than I just want to see it. Carey Price and Jake Allen injured. Who is that coming down from the Raptors? Is that David Ayers? Is that David Ayers? Oh my goodness. Uh, who cares about this division? I'm sick of this division, man. <laughs> we only got over the one. Who gives a <laughs> shit, honestly? Except for everyone. Except for literally everyone gives a shit. Like, I, I, I'm done with it. Edmonton, right. Winnipeg. Edmonton um, five. Speaking of a bad team, like how is Winnipeg in the playoffs? It's it's hella buck, but I just exp- I mean I just told you how, but um, yeah, Edmonton has um, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and the other shitty team doesn't. So I'm gonna go Oilers in six. Winnipeg in six. I don't care. I mean whatever. <laughs> I'll, I'll take the other team. And I'll go in six. I, 
I, mean, I ain't watching these games. I promise you I'm not going to watch those games. I might watch some of the Edmonton ones just to watch. Um, I would love to see Conor McDavid have a five-gold night. Yeah, it's well within the realm of possibility. Like, he's rough shot over Winnipeg. The only reason I have Edmonton in six is because I think Hellebuck is capable of making like 69 saves and stealing a game or two. But, um, nice. I I love how, like, going in, everyone was like, yeah, Canadian division. Like, like, all the Canadians, was like, like yes. and now there's like, there's one good team, and then there's another team that at least deserves to kind of be in the playoffs. And, then, like, like Winnipeg and Montreal don't deserve to be there. And then Calgary, Vancouver, and Ottawa are all just bad. I mean, the one thing, like, if you think about it, um, if the like, if the Pacific Division as it was existed this year, Edmonton would probably still be in the playoffs because, like, you got to think, like, the, the California teams, the Coyotes, like, um, the Coyotes are moving to the Central. That's right. That's right, but well, but this year they wouldn't have been. Yeah. So like like Edmonton, Edmonton would have I think would have been a playoff team under the normal yeah, format. Edmonton would have been in the playoffs. Because and the, the only other, the other Pacific team that was in there was um uh, was Vegas. So only the Pacific team that actually made the playoffs. Yeah. Actually, the Leafs, the Leafs would have been an interesting case because if you'd had the normal Atlantic. You would have had Boston in both Florida teams. Boston in both Florida teams. It would have been a dicey kind of situation. And then, like, you think, like, the Metro, you had, like, you had Washington Wolves. Penguins and Canes. And the, Central, the Central would have been a hellhole. The Central would have been off, got off. Yeah, the Metro, you wouldn't have had to worry about the Blue Jackets. Again, we, well, we can't assume all this stuff plays out the same way, but... Um, I can assume that the Blue Jackets are even worse in the Metro than yeah, they were that's, Central. Yeah, they would have been. Um, yeah, it would have been interesting. That might be an interesting like off-season project. Like, what would the seat? What would have been like in the normal divisions this year? Roy Cooper. What a guy! Huge Kaniac. Huge Kaniac, Roy Cooper. I, I can't believe he threw the entire state's health plan away just for the Canes. Just because he's a huge Kaniac. There's people who, there's people who actually think he solely lifted the restrictions so that the Hurricanes could have more fans. <laughs> that is not the case. Seeing the way they, seeing the way they have operated this entire year, I promise you that is not the case. But yeah, huge news. Um. No, because there's there no official number placed on playoff attendance because Roy Cooper has lifted most mask mandates, though per the NHL, anyone going into PNC Arena is still going to have to wear a mask. But um, no capacity limits or social distancing rules statewide. So the, the it's going to be dependent on a couple factors what the actual number can be, but the Hurricanes are going to be able to have significantly more fans than they've had uh, starting on Monday with game number one. Yeah, uh, I mean, great news. I mean, it's going to be between ten and twelve k in attendance once they figure out those numbers. It'll be announced over the weekend before game one. Obviously, uh, the the mask mandate, while on a state level, is being lifted uh, in most cases. 
uh, NHL, again, like Andrew said, they have their own standards and their own mandates, so masks will still be necessary. Um, and the the big thing from Don Waddell's press conference was about airflow in the building and getting that to a level that's, that's acceptable for the NHL. The target date was originally June 1st for the HVAC units to be in place, uh, but obviously that process will now be accelerated now with the news from Roy Cooper. Uh, also, uh, in case you need an update, again, Robert Moore will get signed. Yes, that is... Look, do not... If you are hearing something from somebody who is not a Kane-centric reporter that involves Rod Brindamore not re-signing with the Carolina Hurricanes, it is incorrect. But, that is all there is to it. When do you want to go work with his good friend Kevin Adams in that Buffalo position? You know, Ronnie, Franch- Ron- Ronnie Francis... Is, he, uh, he, play, he played with Rod Francis. Doesn't want to move to Seattle and take over an expansion team that has potentially somebody, no players? Somebody actually asked him about that in an availability a couple weeks ago. Like, somebody actually asked him about, not not even just, like, his contract. Somebody asked him specifically about Seattle. It was like, give me a break. Like, even if that were the case, what, what is he going to say now? Yes, I'm going to join Seattle. Which, again, I, I can't emphasize it's not a thing. Rod like, Francis Middle of the playoffs, just be like, I'd love to go to Seattle. I hate it here in Carolina. <laughs> like, what even quote are you fishing for with that question? Yeah. He's, he's, he is resigning. Like, literally, the reason it is not done is twofold. One, he wants to make sure all of his assistants and everybody else, you know, the, the support staff get taken care of. And he is focusing on coaching a hockey team and trying to win the Stanley Cup. Those are the reasons that contract is not done. It has no, nothing else. No, I'm not even going to say what people try to say it is. Those are the reasons. Nothing else. So what you're saying is there is contract drama between the Hurricanes and Rob Brindamore. Uh, please tune in next week to the podcast to hear all the latest news about the drama surrounding the Hurricanes head coach. Uh, this has been the Canes Country Podcast. Thank you for listening this week. Uh, we talked about a lot of things. And... Uh, we're finishing out with drama. Please tune in next week for more drama. We will definitely deliver you drama. Uh, listen to the podcast, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can listen to the Canes Country Podcast. Please rate, review, follow, subscribe. We appreciate all those things. Guys, where can the people follow you on Twitter and only Twitter, where you will definitely give them big drama updates on Robert and more. Andrew. You can follow me at A-S-C-H-N-I-T-T-5-3. And I just want to say, um, check out the site. We've got it. We've had a ton of great stuff up this week, breaking down the matchup. We will have more. We will have our full official staff playoff predictions uh, Saturday. And check out our um, sister site at SB Nation on the forecheck. A lot of great stuff from the Predators perspective there. Um, I did a written five question series that's up with them there. I don't believe it's out yet, but I was actually uh, a guest on their podcast this week as well. So definitely um, be following and checking out on the forecheck and all of their great content. If you want perspective on the Nashville side of things going into this. And Ryan. At R Y A N H E N K E L underscore only if you're trying to, you know, look at all the 
juicy rumors of where Brendan Moore will be going. That's not in Carolina. That's Oops. right. It's only it's only going to be in Carolina. No, it's going to be any, it's going to be it's going to be somewhere else, and you will only find out where that's going to be if you listen to the podcast every week and you subscribe and you rate and you follow us all on Twitter. Uh, you can do that for me at Brett Finger. So juicy rumors, nuggets, all the things. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Goodbye. <laughs>